Time for the Sunday Night Longhorn live stream presented by the Cross Oak Group. I uh, got Rod Babers here along with Jerry Hamilton, uh, Inside Texas on Three Sports. I'm Bobby Burton, your host tonight. Uh, guys, Longhorns uh, win uh, a good one, uh, 31-24 over University of Houston after the Longhorns got off to a 21 to nothing head start. Uh, the Cougars came roaring back in the second and third quarter. Uh, then it got down to guts in the final minute, uh, final minutes of the game. And uh, Texas, uh, as I wrote on Inside Texas on Sunday, uh, earlier today, uh, I thought they showed a spine down the stretch winning the game. Rod and Jerry, uh, Jerry, you were at the game at least for the first half yeah. yesterday in the stands. What were your what's your feedback uh, a day later? Yeah, I thought um, I thought what was so interesting about that game, guys, is um, I mean, at twenty-one nothing, U of H did not look like they had hope that they thought they were in that game at all. I mean, like it just no energy, no anything, and uh, you knew they'd come back, or you knew they'd make a not a run, but you knew they'd come back with something. Um, but I, this, this thing that stands out to me in that whole game again is just, you know, Texas up 21, nothing and U of H is kind of in there. They're kind of deep in their own territory. And, uh, and, and, and Texas trot out like a, a lot of backups on that series. And, and at the time I said something to the people I was sitting with, I was like, I, you know, this, this is how a team gets back in the game right here. I just, I, I just really had an interest I had, a, I had an issue with the timing of that. I mean, that's 20, you're up 21 points on a team and they're showing no signs of life or hope. And you pretty much gave them hope because you were probably overconfident. Yeah. I, we, we got a lot of stuff to get to. Uh, Rod, did you, did you guys, uh, did you get a chance to rewatch the game yet? Or what, what, what yes. uh, have you seen? Uh, we watched it earlier uh, today and, Honestly, after rewatching it, actually, I feel a lot better about the win for Texas. And I think, you know, it's one of those situations where if you look, if you start looking at all the different injuries that piled up for Texas throughout that game. Um, it's pretty clear, man, that, that you know, they, they may not have the talented depth that we all thought just right now as a team. But they, like I said, I do like the DNA. I like the character of this football team. No doubt. They have, they have good football character. Like they it was not a perfect game. I got notes galore that'll talk about, you know, how they don't communicate well in the back end, secondary has issues, and uh, we can talk about offensively how uh, I think Sark could have made some different decisions that would have helped Texas out, but been more complimentary uh in terms of complimentary football uh, to other phases of the game. Um, but man, grit. You got to find a way to win the damn game in the end. Just yep. find a way to win the game. Find a way to pull it out. It's ugly. I've had – we had wins like that at K-State in Nebraska when I played. You know, and, and, and you know sometimes they're against team Iowa State. I think I had wins like that against Iowa State, actually, back when I played on the Fort Acres. Teams that really had no business playing with us that long and maybe we were distracted, whatever. Uh, maybe they had a great game plan. You still find a way to win the game. This is a game that I think Texas – it felt like – and I'll give E. Hogan credit. I was – doing the in-game watch for E. Hogan, he said it felt like that Tech game from last year. He yep. said, man, it kind of feels like that Tech game. And I was like, don't say that, E. Hogan. Don't, 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 hey, don't, don't put that evil on it, Ricky Bobby. All right? <laughs> same, same quarterback. Same, same quarterback. quarterback. It, it kind of felt like that. Uh, but then Texas, I think they, they're they a different team now. And they showed, and they found a way to win. The defense made enough plays. 
Did they play a great game? No, but they made enough plays down the stretch uh, to go win that game. And the Texas offense, hey, man, they found a way, even though it was ugly. And it, it, it's going to be ugly sometimes. They found a way to get an ugly win. So I'll give them credit, man. That's a game that they they lose last year. They I think they lost the game just like that because Tech was probably like that last year. Um, and then they found a way to win it this year. Hey, I don't want to bury the lead, by the way. Uh, we're, we're five minutes into this, and we have not talked about the injury uh, to starting quarterback Quinn Ewers. Uh, Ewers uh, sidelined for the fourth quarter. Uh, we found out earlier today, I'm going to let Jerry Hamilton, who broke this news somewhat, about exactly when the injury occurred to Quinn Ewers, because it was not necessarily that big hit that we all no. thought about. Quinn, uh, Jerry, go ahead and tell folks what happened there. Yeah, he actually got hurt in the third quarter. I talked to a source very close to that one this morning, um, and I posted that on Inside Text. I believe around 11, 12 this morning, uh, to be exact. And um, he, it was the it was the Nelson Caesar sack when he uh, Jatavion Sanders motion and it was going to pass pro <laughs> against uh, uh, Nelson Caesar, and that pass pro attempt did not go well. And that that hit on Quinn took him to the ground on his right shoulder, right side, right ribs. And that is where the injury occurred. The hit on his left side maybe exasperated a little bit, but if you were and that if you go back and watch the game from that point when Quinn got initially hurt, they didn't throw the ball much after that. So I, Sark knew he was he was banged up. Um, but you know, I, I give Quinn credit for fighting through it. This kind of goes to Rod's point, right? I mean, it would have been easy to take yourself out of that game. I mean, it would have been easy to take yourself out of that game. Um, uh, but the sec- somebody's saying the second hit, but that second hit probably exasperated the injury a little bit, but it's not what caused the injury. Uh, that's for sure. It was that hit on that sack by Nelson Caesar. Uh, what I've heard is it's not a, expected to be a season ending injury. I'm hearing more two to three weeks, even this evening. Um, so, you know, I, I think Malik Murphy will start Saturday. We'll see what Malik does with his first start. Arch will be prepared all week, um, and, and we'll see. You know, we'll see. We'll see where it goes from there. But I don't. I don't expect it to be season ending unless they get some some uh, something different medically back than they already have today. Um, but you know, that could take you through the Kansas State game. Is what that could do. I, I mean, that could take you through Kansas State and even a road game at uh, at TCU, right? So I mean, um, that that's. Uh, that's not necessarily what Texas fans want to hear. Well, no, on a, on a guy that started eleven to twelve. Now he finished what twelve or uh, twenty-one of twenty-seven. Uh, but uh, I tell you what, uh, Quinn Ewers was starting to starting to feel his oats a little bit in the passing game. I thought uh, this season, uh, four games into conference play. Hey, by the way, by the way, for I, I want to say something here about Quinn because I think there's uh, there's a. a there's some people that maybe think he's frail, but I, I want to take people back to high school. Why? Why you should Texas fans shouldn't be surprised he pl- tried to play through the injury. The guy missed half of his junior year and had to have hernia surgery. Came back in the playoffs, played in the state before the state title, played in the state title game against Westlake, got a cracked rib, continued on in that game. So this is a guy who he puts it out there on the line for his team. I, I think last year. After the injury against Alabama, people said, well, is he, is, is he shutting it down too much, too long? What's going on? But if you go back and look at his history now, he's not a guy that bows out of games. He's a guy that tries to play through injury. So, you know, credit credit to to uh, Quinn for, for doing that. And I do think, even though he's not out there, to Rod's point, it goes to the character of the team. 
It Got says it. something. Yep. Guys, we're going to take questions tonight to listen to what you guys have to say, ask questions. Feel free to put those in the queue. Uh, Matt, our producer, will help us get to them. Uh, but before we get to those, I want to say thank you to our sponsor. Each and every Sunday night, the live stream is brought to you by the Cross Oak Group. Cross Oak is one of the leading government affairs firms in Texas, specializing in lobbying, political communication, business development, and regulatory compliance. These days, government finds ways to impact nearly every aspect of your business with decades of experience ranging from the State House to the White House. Cross Oak Group helps its clients hedge risk and protect and grow their bottom line. To learn more, go to www.crossoakgroup.com. That's www.crossoakgroup.com. We appreciate their sponsorship. Uh, let's get it going here on some questions. Uh, Rod and Jerry, you guys ready? Yeah, let's go. All right, here we go. Uh, this one's uh, Super Chat starts off from KD35. I am the best. I don't know how many high school kids I expect to commit or flip if this D doesn't start sharpening up fast in the secondary or changes happen. But it's apparent to me after Saturday that Texas is going to be very aggressive now in the portal. And I'm just going to I'm going to finish that as they should be. Right. Jerry, your thoughts? Yeah. So, again, this is what uh, – uh, we'll get to Malik Murphy. We're going to break down Malik Murphy, Paxton, and all the guys asking. We're definitely going to get into Malik. we got to do that. Uh, but this is where recruiting so different for fans versus the actual recruits. There could be a, a, a very good high school safety that watched that game Saturday and said, huh, I think I can go play a lot as a freshman there on a team that's pretty good. I, I think that's just where the difference is, right? Um, with recruits versus kids are looking for an opportunity at a program that wins games. If they can live out their NFL dreams at a team that wins and you, you know, nowadays you have the NIL backing everything that goes with it. Those kids jump on those opportunities. So I just think kids are looking at it a little different, um, than the fans are. And I think it's always been that way, guys. I mean, Rod, you can speak to that when you were being re recruited, right? I mean, yep. Bobby Bowden was on top of the college football world when you're coming out of high school still. Yep. Matt Brown's coming in saying, I want to go win a national championship, and I need Rod B to do it. Yep. <laughs> Come on, Rod B. Come to Austin. Yep. No, it's great. No, it's knowing, it's knowing his relationships, right? Knowing that actual individual prospect and what they want. And Mac Brown, he touched on the DBU history stuff, which was good. I appreciated that because I was a big uh, NFL football fan, so I appreciated that. He touched on – I was a big Dre Bly fan, so he knew. Oh, man, you know, I, I coached Dre Bly. You know that? You, he told me I was the next Dre Bly. It turns out my hands weren't as good as Dre Bly. <laughs> Mac Brown might have been – you know, he might have been fudging it up a little bit there, but that's okay. Um, but, yeah, I think it's just – it's knowing that prospect. And – you know, like I said, I'll give props to R.C. Slocum. R.C.'s, RC's the one that convinced me, you got to stay in the state. He said, uh, you know, mom and daddy want to go to games. You know, they're not going to go to games if you're going to Penn State, you're going to Florida State, you're going to Colorado. And that was it right there. So, uh, yeah, but that was R.C. knowing me. R.C. was like, hey, you know, you wrote mom and dad out. That was important to me. So I think it still comes down to knowing those recruits. And you're you're right about this. It's, it's on an individual basis. There's no question about it. Everybody will see that performance by Texas and see something different. Yeah. Everybody will. Hey, I want to say this. Uh, Xavier Phil same saying I will be able to cover a crossing <laughs> route. Uh, Rick Amber guy perspective, a <laughs> one in five UVA beats UNC at home. And Drake may goes 24, 48 with a pick. 
Michael Penix was terrible against a one in five Arizona State team in Seattle. No offensive TDs, three turnovers. Caleb Williams loses two two in a row. Crap happens is is what that means, you know. Hey, and, by and, the way, and Duke Duke had Florida State on the ropes a little before Riley Leonard got hurt again. Yeah, and I and I want to add this one. Dylan Gabriel and the Sooners did not look very sharp against UCF either. Yeah. And I, this is what I was worried about going into this game. One of the things that I mentioned and wh- why I gave the score prediction that I did in this game, and I, I thought it was going to be closer than most people did. You guys, coming off of that Oklahoma game and then sitting for a week, you can say, oh, well, they came out firing, but they didn't have the consistency to back it up. They needed to just, like I like I said, they needed to get back up on the horse in a big way, right? And they didn't have that. Oh, you didn't have it. They weren't sharp against Central Florida. They won in the fourth quarter. I mean, so uh, just keep in mind that, that part of it. Another thing I want to mention, uh, something that's been on the message boards that, that I want to get to uh, at Inside Texas. Rod and, and Jerry, there's a lot of people saying, well, if Texas has these safeties and this this – they can't run the ball against this. They're not a great team. Okay. Did anybody here say this Texas team was going to be a great team this year? I did not. We no. what, what we did say is we expect them to win 10 games. Yeah. A great team wins 14. Yeah. So let, let's be clear. Or 15 these days, I guess. But my, my point being that the expectations here is for Texas to win, not to be a great team. We hope they become a dominant team. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but the expectation is not necessarily there. And then if you look at all the injuries they had, and it just kept piling up. I mean, man, the the, the secondary looked like a Red Cross unit. Yeah, <laughs> it, no, like, it, it was bad. Yeah, yeah, you know, you know, well, you know what? The, I think uh, obviously Quinn's injury, the biggest, most talked about. But you know, the injury that worries me uh, the the most right now is Ethan Burke, uh, as far as outs past the quarterback, uh, because Ethan Burke, look, I mean. He has three. He got his third sack. Is he a finished product? No. Is he going to be much better next year? Yes. But he was still – he's one of those guys, Rod, I think when you talk about the football character, that guy was playing through injury. He's playing physical. Is he as strong as he needs to be? No. Does he have the pass rush moves he needs to be uh, to to maximize his talent? No. But one one thing you could never question with that guy was his effort. And you know what? He put it all out there again and – I'm I'm worried about I'm worried about his left knee, guys. I mean that it gave out a little bit. He was limping um, really badly after the game, and that that's a position where, man, they can't afford to lose their their leading sack guy. Yeah, I mean that's that's a tough loss if he's out. Yeah, prior to the season, I mean I think that was a concern for every Longhorn fan out there, right? We were talking about hey, what's Texas going to do on the edge opposite Baron Sorrell? What are they going to do there? Who's going to fill that void? Uh, that could be a, a real big weakness for Texas, whether it be as a pass rusher or as a run stuffer. Um, and Ethan Burke stepped up <laughs> and really, really solidified that position and gave Texas stability there. Uh, if he's dealing with an injury, and I know he's fighting through it. Um, but it's hard as a young guy to fight through injuries like that. So, um, yeah, Texas, that depth, once again, is, it's going to be tested. That defense right now is a mass unit, guys. Let's just be honest. It, it's 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 a mass unit, pretty I, much. For, for the people that want to see Jamon Tapp and Jare Bledsoe, I think they're getting ready to. And, and, and it's going to be interesting. They're going to miss some assignments. They're young players that were very raw. Uh, but you're about this. I think you're about to see that forced, uh, but due to injury, 
those up the field pass rushers, but they got to be disciplined playing football. But you're, I think those guys that have flashed are going to start having chances to flash more due to injury guys. Yeah, yeah. I, I did. I do think Alfred Collins should be fine. I want to mention yeah, that. I think Gavin Holmes, I think Gavin Holmes should be fine. Uh, people are asking about uh, Jay, uh, excuse me, Ryan Watts and Jalen Catalan. Yeah, uh, Watts, he worked out in the pregame but yeah. did not go. Jalen Catalan, we understand, did not practice, I believe, after Tuesday the rest of this week. Yeah. So uh, we don't know what's going on there, but uh, it does not sound good on the surface at the very least right now. Uh, at the end of one, by the way, the Astros up one to nothing on the Rangers. Uh, Jordan Alvarez continues his assault on uh Well, that MLB guy finally pitching. got a hit? Who? He, Jordan Alvarez finally got a hit that Yeah, fine. <laughs> do, do something else. All right, hey, let's let's talk a little bit about this. Um, Thamel just tweeted that Quinn has a grade two AC joint sprain, and that fits the two to three weeks, kind of what we've heard. What did he have last year? Was it a grade one or two? No, nah, it was, but it was different. It was it would that was more of a sternum type of injury as well. So that's why he was out. Uh, it was a little bit different injury. Matt, can you bring up that tweet when you get a chance, please? Uh, Talking to he's saying no, not right now. Okay, all right. Um, Eric reported this is from William Niche. Eric reported that Arch has protected the ball better than Murphy and does a better job at getting to his second and third receivers. Should Sark determine the starter after week uh, after a week of practice or now? In other words, go with Malik. Say Malik tomorrow, you're the starter, buddy. Or does he need to talk about it and go? You know, does he need to think about it and figure it out on Wednesday or Thursday? Rod, I'll let you start. You look kind of perplexed. Yeah, I right now I think I'd, I'd give it to Malik. I think that's been the plan all along, um, and that's, that's the way I think I'd approach it right now and kind of build the offense around his strengths. Now, that's the question, right? What does Malik do really well, and what is he most comfortable with? You don't want him doing things he's not comfortable with as a young quarterback because uh, he's going to make bad decisions. So what's the best way to make him comfortable and so he can make good decisions out there? Um, I'd go with Malik and build it around his strengths right now. If Malik is not up to the task, then, yeah, you, you need to make sure you have a contingency plan. And that contingency plan would be arching, getting him ready to go. Because you don't know what a young quarterback, if he goes in the game, and has a meltdown of some sort. Not saying he will, not going on wood, but we've seen it happen for young quarterbacks, that kind of thing. Or you can't move the offense at all. You may have to consider uh, another option, uh, which may be art. So you got to get him ready to go. But I think I think right now Malik is the plan going forward. And honestly, the real identity of the offense now is truly Jonathan Brooks. I mean, it's this is the Jay Brooks show. That's what the offense is, honestly. For any of these quarterbacks that's going to end up playing Malik or Arch, it'll be the Jay Brooks show. And looking at that's why the storyline of cj baxter now you know looks like he's healthy and he looked like a different player in that game this is a few runs that he got that's a big storyline because you're gonna need him now more than ever you're gonna need that running game uh, to assert itself yeah i think uh, i think it's gonna be very interesting um i think arch played in such a similar offense in high school that he's gonna he's pretty comfortable already um they they did a lot of the same stuff they had a lot of the same calls that uh, A.J. Milwin, Sark, that Sark's offense had um, at Isidore Newman. 
I, I believe I believe Mark uh, Malik will uh, get the first crack at this. Um, I, I think it's going to be very interesting. I think uh, the question for me, guys, is Sark will have to. Uh, it'll be a lot less of the playbook. I, I think we we get, we all have to agree on that, right? I mean, it, it's going to be less of the playbook. Um, I think that's going to be interesting when you look at uh, uh, when when you look at how BYU can prepare for Texas. They're going to know it's going to be a condensed playbook with a first-time starting quarterback. All these coaches have been through it before, right? Yeah. So can BYU stop the run against Texas? That's that's going to be a big thing because you know that BYU knows that Malik will have a, a, a smaller, more condensed playbook. And, and so pass protection for Texas is going to be huge Saturday, guys. Yeah. Hey, uh, this one from Shivan Patel. Uh, how do y'all think Jalen Ford played? Seemed like he played better than the OU game. Well, I mean, the quarterback didn't. The quarterback run game was never there for Donovan Smith like it was for uh, Dylan Gabriel. Uh, but the crossing routes, Rod, I didn't see any linebacker knock a knock a receiver off his route all game long on the crossing routes. And and unlike uh, that's at some level legal in college football, where it's not legal in pro football. Why are they not doing that? Or are they just not seeing it in time? Yeah, I think it may be the latter. I don't know if they're seeing it in time. It seems like they were defending ghosts. It seems like a lot of time they were defending the quarterback oh, run God. game. So when, agreed. Right? When the quarterback run game was not an issue. And I understand why. I Even I expected them to utilize the quarterback running game more. I, I'm going to say we all did. I thought they run more quarterback draw, deploy the quarterback running game. They did not. They trusted Donovan Smith in the pocket. And we talked about he was on his best three-game stretch. And I'll give you credit, Bobby. You said he's streaky. He's streaky, man. He's going he's gonna to look ugly for what <laughs> for a stretch of that game. And you're going to be like, ugh, there's no way this dude's going to beat you. And then he's going to get he's gonna get hot. And when he gets hot, he gets hot. And that's exactly what happened. He started out really ugly, like the first four drives in the first quarter. I, I was like, man, they got ugly Donovan out there. I don't know if it's going to work out. And sure enough, he hit that. He got streaky on that. So – I, I do think for, you know, for, for Texas, kind of going back to what uh, Jerry said, though, initially going forward with Malik, I think initially he'll get it, or Arch, whoever's the core starting quarterback, the opposing team is going to try to make that quarterback beat them. So they'll face eight-man boxes routinely. They'll see all that. I mean, that's just the way it's, it's an easy game plan now because you know the identity of the offense. You know exactly how, what they're going to rely on, and that's the run game. And, and Texas hasn't been dominant running the football when they want to run it. That's the concern. That is a little bit of a concern. The only, the only time they were was against Alabama late in the game. Yeah. Against Houston late in the game with Malik Murphy at quarterback. Yeah. Um, and so, hey, how do you think Jalen Ford played overall, though, guys? Because we didn't answer that part of the question. I thought oh. he played better against the run, but I, I thought he was still looked a little lost on those crossing routes. Every linebacker and every safety kind of did. Um, but is that also a little bit about the pass rush not getting there? I mean, can you expect a safety to carry a, guy, a slot receiver across the entire field like not that? Playing, not, not playing that far off. I know. That's what I'm saying. I, yeah. I don't know that you can. Uh, I, I think the, you know, it's interesting. I went back and looked at, you know, how far off the DBs were playing, safeties, corners. And there's no doubt they were instructed to give cushion. That that was a big part of the game plan. 
Uh, they did play situationally on some third downs. You saw the, the, the corners come up and play some press coverage. Um, I think because of the injuries in the secondary, they probably were uncomfortable with those with those guys giving up big plays. But Texas, they prioritized giving up a lot of cushion to the wide receivers of U of H. I'm not saying they were, you know, afraid of U of H wide receivers making plays, uh, but they they definitely didn't challenge them throughout the game. They only challenged them situationally. That leads me into this one. Go ahead, Jerry. I just wanted to say we've had a lot of Malik questions before we get to that. Uh, and a lot of it's, will Texas have more uh, uh, quarterback run games? Malik is a pocket passer, guys. I mean, he is a pocket passer. If you put, if you went and tested all three quarterbacks, he'd probably test not the worst, but the third best out of Arch Quinn and Malik as far as te- athletic testing numbers in that in that order. So uh, Malik is a truly a pocket passing quarterback. Just so because I know people haven't seen a lot of him, but just so Texas fans understand what he is there won't be like quarterback run game stuff with Malik first of all Sark doesn't call that stuff uh but Malik is a pocket passer I will say this I do expect him to have some functional ability as a passer moving in the pocket that's one of the things I think he actually does relatively well and it seems like comes a little natural maybe his height uh and the ability to see over people might might be a little bit of that all right uh, this one from Nunya Argo uh and this leads into what Rod was talking about guys I think PK, Pete Kwiatkowski, is trying to hard, too hard to mask the DV deficiencies. I understand not wanting to get beat over the top, but we're giving up too much underneath and it's hurting us. Lack of physical cornerbacks, maybe? Well, mm. Ryan Watts has been out for two games in a row. Yeah. They miss him. They miss him. They miss him. They miss him not only his physical presence um, as a corner, but also they miss the communication of just having a veteran presence back there. Um, somebody who knows the system. There's a lot of communication breakdowns happening in the secondary. Uh, guys not passing off routes uh, in, in in match coverage and pattern match coverage very well. Um, that's an issue for them. And also, yeah, I, I think leverage. Uh, guys just not playing the right leverage on uh, even the the man jack touchdown that Jaron Thompson gives up. He initially has inside leverage, uh, then gives it up. Just kind of gives it up initially. And, you know, you shouldn't give it up in that sense. If you're watching the way the play develops, Donovan Smith is being, he essentially escapes contained from the pocket. But then that means all the routes are going to that side of the field. You got to know to cut him off at one point and not give up that inside leverage. So the guys, they're not understanding leverage, not executing that very well. And, you know, they're bailing a lot too, which means they're playing kind of a, a, a zone coverage, but they're allowing the underneath routes to be completed. Like I said, I don't know what the guys are being taught, but it's not an aggressive technique, not at all. And I don't know if they're like I said when I was on the Forty Acres, we were trusted to we get we got the coverage, but we could play the technique we wanted unless we were instructed during that week. You've got to play this technique on this coverage every time. But most of the time, we could play the technique we wanted. Most of the time, we were playing cover one. I will say that. Um, so I'm not sure if the guys were instructed to play that type of technique or they just feel more comfortable playing way off. Um, my thing would be, I think the coaches are telling them to play more way, more off like that. Hey, yeah. Rick, Rick Ambu- uh, Ambergi has a great one, a point we need to make. Uh, what is that, Jerry? Right here. Uh, right here. BY- Here's the difference for Texas this week playing BYU versus Oklahoma and Houston. Keaton Slovis is negative 250 career rushing yards in college football. They are not – this Texas defense does not have to 
uh, prepare for QB run game stuff. If they do, it's not going to be the starting quarterback. BYU is going to bring somebody else in. Slovis is a pat is a pocket passing quarterback. The Texas has had the spy the last two games a little bit, right? Rod, yeah. talk about that. If you don't have to spy this week, how does that change what you can do in coverage and maybe oh. match some of your deficiencies? Man, it makes your life a whole lot easier, right? You got that. Yeah. <laughs> you got to you add a plus one now uh, to the defense. Whether you want to add that plus one in coverage or you want to add them to the front and. The, the 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 defensive line remember we talked about how they weren't disciplined in their pass rush lanes against Oklahoma um because they were you know so uh, adamant getting to the quarterback um that it, they abandoned the pass rush lanes at times and then it allowed Dylan Gabriel on quarterback draws and scrambles to get yardage they were so worried about that all right so concerned about that versus U of H that I think it still had an effect on the way that they play uh, certain co- certain coverages, even the linebackers dropping back and helping in coverage on underneath uh, stuff. So I, there are some plays you can see Jalen Ford clearly, and you can see Anthony Hill clearly eyeing the quarterback first yes. uh, before they're dropping back in the coverage. That's something you don't have to worry about when your quarterback is a pocket passer. The only starting quarterback they faced that was a pocket passer so far, because remember Dylan Gabriel can move a little bit. Uh, obviously we just, Jalen Milrow was a quarterback that can move around, starting the quarterback. And we just watched Donovan Smith, a guy can move around. He didn't versus Texas, but he has that on his resume. Uh, was JT Daniels. Yep. Right. The rest of the guys they faced were backup quarterbacks. So that's a different discussion altogether. Um, but yeah, when you don't have to worry about that, I, I, I agree with you. It makes the game plan a whole lot simpler for the defense. And you don't have to worry about the plus one. You have to worry about the scrambling element as much. You don't have to worry about them. Um, coming out with quarterback draws and and quarterback design runs at all. So it'll make their job a whole lot easier. But for me, uh, for Texas, I, I think, you know, that might be their – and by the way, it's not their Achilles heel. That's a lot of defenses Achilles heel uh, facing a quarterback that can beat you once the play breaks down and also adds a different element in the run game. All right. This one's from Russell Hinkle. Are persistent communication issues in the secondary a coaching issue, a player issue – or both. What do you guys think, Rod? You're you're you play DB. Um, I'm gonna say it's both. A little bit of both. It's got to be a little bit of both because some of the communication issues they had they they existed last season, um, and they continue to exist this season. Whether it be uh, passing off route combinations uh, from clusters of closely clustered wide receivers, I talk about that all the time. Bunch uh, tight tight twins, stack twins, uh, whether you're talking about compressed and condensed sets, Texas defensive backs have a really tough time uh, determining uh, when routes are declared and passing those declared routes off in coverage. That touchdown to uh, Matthew Golden, that, that post route, that's exactly what it was. It was a, it was a cover three, essentially. Um, but you can tell Taff expected Terrence Brooks to carry that post route. He did not. He broke off and covered the deep out or the deep, uh, I think it was a deep seven cut basically by the number two receiver, which is perfectly fine if it's communicated to your safety. Hey, you got that post. I'm going to take that deep cut, the deep out cut. That was not. And then you saw it. They ended up getting an easy touchdown. Those happened last year too. We saw a few of those last year too in multiple games. K-State, we saw it. We saw it in Iowa State. We saw it in the uh, TCU game. Um, so it's now you're seeing it rear its ugly head again. And also, this is probably the biggest indictment of the secondary 
having communication issues that definitely have to be related to player and coaching. And I'm not saying the coaching is bad or anything like that. Those guys are doing a really good job, but the two minute defense guys, it's, 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 it's really bad. Like these, these guys are, when they're in that crisis situation, defending the two minute happened again in the U of H game in the first half, they, they have no idea like exactly what they're doing, what the, uh, you know, purpose of the defense is what they're trying to execute. They just seem a little lost. And now we're at that. We're more than halfway through the season yes. and they're still lost after a bye week, after a bye week, after that, essentially two minute defense cost you the Oklahoma game in the last two minutes of the first half in the second half. And then the last two minutes of that two plus minutes of the first half in the U of H game, uh, Texas looked discombobulated. And what I've been keeping track of now is the explosive plays that they've allowed in the two. It's amazing, actually, because Texas doesn't allow a ton of explosive plays. But you go look at it. I've counted now in the uh, 35, because I'm only looking at starting quarterback, drives against starting quarterbacks. I could look at all the two-minute drives that they've defended, but it's even worse. But the 35 plays they've defended in the two-minute drill against starting quarterbacks this year in four drives, I've counted 11 explosive plays. That's a 15-plus yard pass play and a 10-plus yard run. Isn't that amazing? It's amazing. That's at the end of the 33% explosive plays. You you damn near very close. Yeah, you're you're at the end of the uh, end of the Bama game, so into the first half of the Bama game, Oklahoma into the first half and the second half, and now the U of H into the first half. But like I say, even Baylor, Baylor exposed a little bit of that too. Remember Baylor at the end of the uh, game, Baylor with RJ Martinez was moving down the field. I didn't count that, but that also makes it even worse. Actually, that's you know, I mean, that's so it. There's something about the two minute drill that Texas struggles with. They got to figure that out. And that goes to the coaching and communication issues because that's all communication in two minute drill. That's all it is. Waiting on a tax return. Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Interesting. All right. Uh, guys, I want to say thank you to our sponsor. we got more questions to get to. I'm Bobby Burton, uh, joined by Jerry Hamilton and uh, Rod Babers here on Sunday Night Livestream. The Sunday Night Livestream brought to you by the Cross Oak Group. Cross Oak is one of the leading government affairs firms in Texas specializing in lobbying, political communications, business development, and regulatory compliance. These days, government finds ways to impact nearly every aspect of your business. With decades of experience ranging from the State House to the White House, Cross Oak Group helps its clients hedge risk and protect and grow their bottom lines. To learn more, go to www.crossoakgroup.com. Thank you for your sponsorship of the Sunday night live stream. Uh, guys, a couple of more questions coming in here. Um, look, if this, I did not hear Sark say this. I didn't pay attention immediately to the press conference because we were in, involved with the uh, post game show. Kyle Witherspoon says, I was a tad annoyed hearing Sark say Houston threw a different defense at them that they had played all season. <laughs> Dude, you should expect the kitchen sink every week this year. Houston didn't play. Didn't Houston say, didn't Houston say some of that? Uh, or didn't Houston play some three high against 
uh, West Virginia a little bit as well. It's not like they didn't play that too. I, I, I got to go back and check and see how much of they have it on film. I, I, there's definitely got to be a snap of it or something. On th- I doubt very seriously they haven't ran any of it all season long. That would be that'd be wild to me. Like I said, I and I said I've seen it on film. I thought I remember. I go check my notes, but I think I remember seeing it on film versus West Virginia. Not a lot, but I remember seeing it. I'll throw this out there too. For sorry, first of all, he has said he has stated already this season that multiple teams have given them a look. All right on game day that they have not prepared for because they didn't see it on film. It was nowhere on film. He said that after the third game. Our assumption is that was Rice and Wyoming. That's why you had the bad starts. So I'm agreeing with Kyle a little bit. You should ex- you should expect the unexpected. That's that's part of the game plan going into playing Sark, in my opinion. The blueprint is, all right, whatever I haven't done, I got to do a lot of that playing Sark. So at least – I can I can force Quinn Ewers to have to process real time and then make adjustments on the fly. And then second, Sark should always expect, like, and I've been talking about this since we've been working together, and trust me, long before we started working together, guys, he should expect the three high. He should expect the team to throw out the three high against him because it works really well against Sark's offense. It just matches up really well against Sark's offense. And I think he was ready for it, though. I do. I think he was ready for it early on. And then somehow he, I don't know, he got discombobulated and confused. The script was actually on on the money. And maybe when they ran off the script, that's when Sark got confused and couldn't adjust. But they were running the three high early and often, guys. I'm talking about on the first drive. They were running that three high stuff early. Even when Texas was scoring points, they were running the three high. So it wasn't like the three high stopped Texas from scoring. But maybe when they had the script going, that, that it wasn't necessarily Quinn having to read a defense because everything was already pretty much predetermined by the script mostly. So I'm I'm not sure exactly what went down, but they played a lot of the three high. And Sark's going to see it. Matter of fact, he hasn't seen it from teams that specialize in it just yet on the schedule because TCU, K-State, and Iowa State, it's part of their defensive identity. It's what they do. They major in it. He's only seen teams that that dabble in it. He's about to go up against teams. That's what they do. And that's why he's got to have a plan to handle it. And I think he's got one. I got faith in Sark. He's got a plan to take care of that. Interesting. All right. Uh, thanks, Kyle, for your question there. Uh, here's a question from Daniel Kinneman uh, that sur- surrounds the defensive backfield in the secondary. Help is needed in the secondary going forward. Which player not currently in the mix would you like to see getting some snaps? Well, I, 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 I want to address this because I'd said last week, I think spring practices, and I know fans don't want to hear it. I think spring practice is going to be interesting to see if guys move around a little bit. Um, but uh, it, it's difficult seven games into the season uh, to make positional moves, in my opinion, when you, you haven't worked with those guys or – for coaches, it's difficult, right? I mean, uh, that that that's just one of those things you don't see done very often. Um, but I think with the uh, uh, lack of safety play this year, I mean, it won't be a shock if you see the Austin Jordans of the world and some of those guys in spring ball. They got to get safety. They got to get safety solved, and they got to get it solved pretty much immediately in spring break practice going into the next year. Um, so you know, I I think it'll be you know interesting in the spring to see who makes some 
positional moves within that secondary. But I don't think you're like people have asked about moving Ryan Watts to safety. No, I mean, I, look, I mean, Texas had to put Jade Barron at corner due to injury at the end of that game. Uh, and they're not going to do that. Rod can speak to that uh, more than everybody, more than anybody else can. But Rod, you played Nichols, a freshman corner. After that, I mean, did, how much did you cross train later in your career? Coach Aquino, actually, shout out to Coach Aquino celebrating a birthday today, my man. Oh, is this his birthday today? Yeah, shout out to Coach Aquino. Did you keep, did you keep cross training in case of injury? Uh, but Coach Aquino believed in five two DB. I mean, think yep. about it, all the guys when Coach Aquino came in. You know, Mod Brooks was a uh, a corner, ended up playing safety. Uh, Quinn Jammer was a safety, ended up playing corner. corner. Nathan Vasher played safety, played corner, played nickel. Uh, you know, Michael Huff. That's actually that was one of the things that he believed in when you know the air raid took over the Big Twelve. Uh, one of the kind of evolutionary adaptations for Texas uh, when Coach Akini came in was I need guys that can cover across the board. I don't need a weakness in coverage in my secondary. So my my safety's got to cover like corners. So either I'm going to find me a corner that can tackle like a safety or I'm going to find me a safety that can cover like a corner. That's it. And you can't be, he said, if you ain't, if you ain't a safety that can cover like a corner or a corner that can tackle like a safety, pretty much you couldn't play in Coach Akina's secondary. That's it. Cause he was essentially, he wasn't going to move guys around, but there are guys based, you know, based off different skill sets, season to season, he may decide, you know what, we switching that guy. You were a corner this season. But we're going to put you at safe. Now, midstream, midseason, we, I don't think we ever did that, midseason. Um, but he did it a lot, cross-training guys just overall. Um, and Jade Barron would be the only guy you can do it with right now. Jade Barron, if you want to move him to safety, I think he could do it. I really do. I think he can move to safety, and I don't think he would have – it would be that much of a drop-off considering how physical he is. He's got great eyes. He's got great instincts. He can cover back there. Now, if you trust Jalen Gilbo and his development and you at get star back, at star at star, right yep. at nickel and you and you like Ryan and Ryan Watts comes back and can solidify one corner for you. And then you'd get still have Malik Muhammad and you still have Terrence Brooks at that other corner play really well. Honestly, Terrence Brooks could give you some some reps at nickel, too. If you get Ryan Watts back and then you trust what you have with Malik Muhammad out, outside that corner, you could you could try to, you know, you could put Terrence Brooks at in nickel. I think he actually wouldn't be bad either. I think he actually could translate pretty well. So I think Jade Barron and maybe Terrence Brooks are your best options, but you have to have confidence in Jalen Gilbo at star. Got to get Ryan Watts back and get him healthy. And then whether you can move a guy like Terrence Brooks around. So that's 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 how I would do it. Ryan Watts at safety now, that's a project. I'm not saying he couldn't do it, and it, it's, NFL, late. it's late in his career. It's yeah. it's a pro, it's a project, man. That's a put him on a that's probably put him on a practice squad for a year, and then you know develop that skill set kind of thing. Uh, I, the only guy that I could think of right now might be Warren Roberson or B.J. Allen, but I, I don't know that either of them uh, are going to get the call uh, right now at either of those positions. Austin Jordan has been someone the Texas coaches have liked. Uh, but given that they don't have an issue really at star, unless to Rod's point, they start moving uh, guys like Jade Barron. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, let's let's see how that goes, I guess. Um, you know, hey, let's ask this one, uh, Rod, this one from Bobby Brown. What scheme can help the D encamp the middle of the fields to stop all the crossing patterns and force them zone? 
instead of following them across, you actually just run zone and make them sit down in a in a zone, right, Rod? Yeah, or yeah, and then you can effectively pass them off in coverage. Yeah, yeah. You gotta have defenders that know how to play zone effectively, <laughs> that know how that they understand route combinations, that understand route combinations. Jalen Ford does. That's why that you could do Jalen Ford understands it. Um, right now he seems preoccupied. Benda is a bit of a liability when it comes to that. You can you can confuse Benda with some route concepts and you know with some uh some bunched formations. And I and so I, I think for him it may be a struggle, uh, but maybe a young a younger Anthony Hill, they're playing Mo 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 more Mo Blackwell. <laughs> uh so maybe he's a guy that in situations you can put him out there and he would better understand the route concepts. It is, it's tough. Texas right now, their DBs are struggling with leverage. I brought that up earlier. You know, if you play a lot of man coverage with Texas ends up playing some man coverage, they like playing man coverage uh, inside leverage has got to be crucial. Even when you're playing zone, a lot of times we're playing zone and the team runs, say a three by one set. They got trips to one side. They got a single receiver to the other side. You're playing cover four. If you're on the single receiver side as a cover four corner, I know that basically the rules of the coverage say, hey, you know what? You actually are responsible for that fourth of the field, a quarter of the field. So you're supposed to have outside leverage all the time. You shouldn't be outside leverage. Technically, you're playing man coverage on that single receiver side. That's man. You're matched up playing man coverage. There are times where Texas DBs don't do that. They still kind of play out, kind of traditional outside leverage in that situation, giving up a lot of space. Um, so it, it's just understanding and they got good football IQ. These guys are high football IQ. We praise that. Um, I think they got to get these guys better with situational awareness um, for the DBs and leverage is a huge part of that, man. Leverage is everything as a DB, everything where you start because the receivers route and his stem oftentimes will change based on your leverage as a DB. And I don't think that the DBs for Texas practice enough uh, good leverage. Outside of just a, a scheme, you know what else slows down that uh, those shallow crossers? Pass rush up the middle, where, uh, where, where quarterback is not just—he's not calm and he's just not able to just see straight to the middle of the field. If you can flush that guy, it's amazing how things change, right, Rod? Don't Bobby? they have a? That's the thing. They interior D line. It's supposed to be the strength of the defense. And they're, they're, and we talked about this this morning, Rod, with Bobby Bobby and I. They're more of run stoppers than they are. Like Byron Murphy and Sweat are run stoppers. They're yeah. not up the field disruptive force. No. No. Byron Murphy's a good player. He's not a twitched up dude that's just going to look like a rocket coming off the ball, right? I agree with that. If Texas is going to change things up and get pass rush inside, which is going to be hard to do for, in, for from an injury standpoint – they have to, to me, they have to take a little risk. You'd almost have to bring, you'd almost have to move Alfred Collins and Jare Bledsoe in together. Say, all right, we're giving up a little beef at times here, but we're going to come up the field with our two best interior pass rushers, and we're not, we're going to make y'all side adjust. We're not just going to let y'all hang in the pocket here and get comfortable. Yeah, that's comes with Anthony Hill. You can do that and just kind of move him around the front too. We thought we'd see more of that. We haven't. It might be the time to start moving him around. You said. Sark said he's your second best pass rusher. He always comes off the edge. Maybe now you start bringing him off different parts. You can you can start him off inside, loop him around the edge. Uh, maybe you got to get creative. I know that you know PK is getting more aggressive. I haven't looked at the blitz rate. Maybe that's something I'll uh, get for the shows this week. The blitz rate week to week. Uh, but I, I I think off eye test, I'm seeing him get more aggressive at least situationally. Right. And both of the turnovers they got in the second half 
They were they blitzed. They they blitzed and, and Jalen Ford blitzed and came hit the quarterback, knocked the ball out, and on that tap interception, that was a blitz too, and forced him forced Donovan Smith to speed up his clock. Yeah, made made a bad decision. So I know they actually gave up some plays when they blitzed, but guys, they gave up some plays when they tried to get organic pressure too with three and four guys. I think PK at this point was just thinking, you know what? If I'm gonna go out, I gotta gamble a little bit. I can't do it like I did in Oklahoma game where. I just stood back and tried to win the numbers advantage on the back end and let Dylan Gabriel pick us apart. So I, I don't, I don't criticize the game plan. He gambled and he won a couple of times, but yeah, they got beat, but they were getting beat anyway. They were getting gashed guys in the passing game. Gashed. Yeah. Uh, not exactly what, what, what you want to hear. And that brings me to this question. How in the heck is Texas an 18 question? <laughs> <laughs> that. This is this is for Victor Abundance, uh, Jerry. I know you've been on this uh, BYU. Not a good offensive team. They oh, beat gosh, Tech. No. Uh, they beat Tech soundly in Provo over the weekend, but that was behind five turnovers they caused hmm. for Texas Tech. Uh, wow. Texas Tech's new quarterback very turnover prone right now. Yeah, look, I'm not saying BYU can't beat Texas. It's college football, right? I mean, look, we just saw what happens. I mean, injuries happen. You know, turnovers happen. Uh, but BYU is a bad offensive team. I mean, like, bad, bad offensive team. Like, they haven't gone over 300 yards in the last three Big 12 games. They had 295 against Cincinnati, who's not good. They're okay on defense. 243 and blowout at TCU. And they beat Texas Tech with 277 yards and 12 first downs. They absolutely cannot run the ball. I mean, their ranks are – I mean, they're averaging 2.86 yards a carry in Big 12 wow. play. 2.86 yards per carry in Big 12. Exactly. They're not a good offense, and they don't have a dual-threat quarterback. So it's That we know of. That we know of. They make some guy off the bench and, and run freaking option like Kansas did. Who knows? But Taysom Hill. Let's just call him <laughs> that. Hey, Douglas, uh, Douglas, I'm not jinxing Texas. If they can't stop BYU, they got major issues, man, because BYU hasn't put up – they can't put they put up 366 yards on Kansas. Everybody else is going 500 plus on Kansas right now. And Texas went 660 on Kansas. Um, but now where BYU is good, they don't give up sacks. 1.29 sacks a game, 24th in the country. Everywhere else, they're outside of 100, 120 in the country. I mean, it's statistically, it's an awful offense. Um, they don't give up sacks, but Texas can't sack the quarterback anyway. So that's a perfect matchup for Texas. Mm-hmm. All right, I, uh, I I don't take Texas. I wouldn't take the points. But Malik Murphy's making his first start, so I mean, eighteen points is a lot. <laughs> I, I just somebody. I, my thought was, okay, how are they going to? Is it gonna, is the final score going to be twenty-one to three? Is that no, how no. Texas gets eighteen? <laughs> I mean, look, I mean, they, Texas is going to have issues uh, with a brand new quarterback because they will do something on defense. BYU has a decent defense. They will do something to to mess with Texas. All right, uh, Justin Yarbrough, we've had a, a variation of this question, but I want to focus on the second part of it. Uh, it deals with the secondary guys and the system of fit for PK. What type of guys do you go after to fit the scheme? I just feel like Texas needs more speed in the secondary right now. Always. I mean, I just don't, other than Malik Ma- or Manny Muhammad, I don't necessarily see a guy that I'm just like, wow, he's fat. Maybe Keaton Crawford, but he obviously isn't processing fast. I mean, is there, it, Derek don't Williams. they need more speed in the secondary generally, guys? Yeah, I think Derek Williams. Derek, I think yeah. Derek Williams is their fastest 
player on the field in the secondary, like play fast, game speed, playing mm-hmm. speed. I mean, maybe Gavin Holmes, uh, but really, though, playing, I'm not sure Derek Williams isn't the fastest guy they have in the secondary. And sometimes that's easier at safety than cover when you have to turn and run, right? Uh, you don't know his recovery speed, but, dude, he moves at a different speed than every other DB out there. They And I'm not saying they, oh, you got to go find four of those. I mean, he, he was a top three safety in the country, probably underrated number three safety in the country. At this point, Caleb Downs is better, but Derek Williams is probably two. Um, but, yeah, Bobby, I totally agree with Bobby's speed. I would even give up some length for speed. I would give up some length for true speed right now. You either yeah. got it or you're chasing it. Yeah. I'm just- I'll, I'll put that that. Hey, uh, here's one from Jason. Give me three Edwards. Rod Babers and Derek Williams, and I'll go to war. Uh, <laughs> hey, Rod, this from Jason Heblinski. Rod, do you think Sark's desire to constantly mix and match in the secondary is why the communication is so bad? That's not Sark's desire as much as it is PK's and Terry Joseph. The secondary needs to play as a unit, and it's always someone different on the field. I think that does matter. Yep, there's no doubt it definitely matters. I mean, that's – Cause I, and I can't tell you the rhyme or the reason for the rotations either. Uh, I haven't figured that out. Well, there's a pattern to it. I'd love to, to ask Sark uh, who determines the rotations. Is it a, is it a Blake Gideon, Terry Joseph thing? Is it a PK determining? There's no way PK is calling all the plays and calling the personnel in no. the personnel grouping, the individual coverage of the D de- sorry, the individual uh, front of the defense and the pressure of the defense and the individual players that are supposed to play to, I don't think he's doing all that. So I'm assuming that's on the, the DB coaches that determine who's out there. And I wonder from Sark, what's the thought process behind the rotations? Is it just everybody gets an even amount? We know that's not the case because look at Jalen Catalan and the way he was used prior to the injury in games like Alabama and Oklahoma. We know it's not just straight up even. Is it situational? Is it like, oh, no, this situation, you know, this personnel grouping, we like to play these group of safeties because they they play the run well, whatever it may be. Or is it matchup based that week where you go, oh, this safety tandem matches up better with this team, so we play more of this group. I'd love to know because as a football theorist, it doesn't make sense to me. And I totally agree with the person on the chat. Hell, yeah, it affects your communication. Uh, I'm not saying that it, it if they, you know, Obviously, right now, communication is terrible all the way around. It is bad in two-minute defense. I can tell you that, no question. Um, but it would be much better if they played a lot of more reps together as a, de- as a defense because I know that from my time on the Fort Acres, playing with a long time with guys like Nathan Vasher, playing a long time with guys like, you know, Quentin Jammer and, you know, Ahmad Brooks. Like, our communication was great. Hell, it still is, as a matter of fact. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, Rod. Uh, that's that's interesting. All right, hey, uh, this is a one from David Pruitt that I like. Why can't we play foot, great football for four quarters against lesser opponents? We start slow and then win in the fourth quarter. We start hot and then give up a 21-point lead. Where's the consistency is what David Pruitt wants to know. Mm-hmm. I think that's what, David, I'm going to say this. I think that's what every Texas fan wants to know. And it's perhaps what separates good teams from great ones is being able to dominate from start to finish, uh, being able to really pull away from teams and stay away from teams. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I feel like that was a bit of the issue yesterday. We knew that the Houston offense could be streaky, and they were. Um, and I, I feel like 
I feel like anytime Sark's offense goes in the doldrums for extended periods, it's almost like the defense follows suit a little bit. Yep. It's uh, we Rod used the term complimentary football earlier. Um, I feel like that's part of it. Uh, to be honest with you, that's that's my take on that, uh, David. And I'm not I think, so sure that I think in this uh, last game, I think in this last game though, I think there were two points in the game that really gave U of H hope. And I and I do think this is important because momentum with young Rod played. I mean, we've Bobby, we've covered a long time. We've talked to people around that momentum plays such a big deal yep. in sports at the college level. It really does. That when Texas rotated those guys, all those the second team guys in on a couple of third team guys in on defense, and U of H got that initial drive and score that gave them some life mm-hmm. at twenty one seven. When Texas fakes the field goal and doesn't get it, that was a huge back-to-back momentum plays in that game for a team that seven minutes before that didn't look like they had any life in the game. That flipped the momentum in that game, and it's amazing what happens. Then Holgerson made some adjustments, right? But it's amazing what happens when you get a little momentum and belief in college sports. It's why the NCAA tournament is so great in basketball. All right, uh, guys, we've got time for a couple more questions. But first, I want to say thank you to our sponsor one last time tonight. Uh, On Texas Football is brought to you by the Cross Oak Group. Cross Oak is one of the leading government affairs firms in the state of Texas, specializing in lobbying, political communications, business development, and regulatory compliance. These days, government finds ways to impact nearly every aspect of your business. With decades of experience ranging from the State House to the White House, Cross Oak Group helps its clients hedge risk and protect and grow their bottom lines. To learn more, go to www.crossoakgroup.com. Thank you for their sponsorship each and every Sunday night. Uh, all right, I want to go to this question, guys. Uh, and, and this deals more with Sark as it relates to his game plan uh, for this coming week. Uh, OTF, guys, even with a condensed playbook, can Sark work in some designed QB runs to take advantage of Malik's size and athleticism. Seems like Sark should learn lean more on the running game with Quinn out. Jerry went over this a little bit, yeah, guys. Yeah. He's yeah, not yeah. necessarily a runner, Mm-mm. but I, I tell you what they can do. It's not so much, a, a, you know, it's not so much the design QB runs. It's getting all, the ball out quicker on the edge, getting the ball to the running backs quicker. It's, um, there, there's, I had a problem with the run game on Saturday because of this. And I, and I want to ask Rod's and Jerry's opinion of it. Texas clearly inside zone was not working very well for quarters two through three, right? It yep. didn't work in the fourth quarter until their one of their defensive tackles went out with an injury. Why, if, if that's the case and you know your bread and butter is not working, why aren't you trying some other things, especially in the red zone? Uh, where Texas, you know, only got three points in the red zone in part because they ran an inside zone type play. Uh, and it ended up being second and eight instead of – or third and eight instead of whatever. My, my point being, Texas, with, with Jake Majors injured, with Hayden Connor not necessarily able to move people in the run game, mm. um, I, I would question why don't they run a little bit varied part – a varied type of run game – as opposed to just power inside power. Hmm. Either of you guys have a thought on that? Not so much the QB run game, because I just don't think Malik's going to do that. Uh, anything else 
on the run game that y'all would do differently? I probably, honestly, and I don't know why Sarek, he, and I'm sure there's a schematic reason for it, but early on in the game, he was using, you know, the 6 line package with Malik Agbo. Now, I know it's not really about the interior runs on him. He, ma- he mainly helps you get the edge. Um, but Texas pulls their guards a lot, probably oh. as, as much as, you know, any team in the country. They pull their guards a ton. Um, I think having Malik Agbo, and, and when you lose Quinn Ewers or when he's hurt, I mean, it changes the, the whole entire dynamic of the offense. So it might have been around there where they stopped throwing the football out of the 6-0 line package. And if you can't throw out of it, then you're way too predictable out of it. And they may decide, no, we're not going to play bully ball like that. We'll go with the 11 personnel, which is how they closed out the game, actually, is in 11 personnel. But early on, man, that 6-0 line package was working for them. I mean, they were averaging over nine yards per play out of it in the first half. Second half, you only saw it twice, uh, the Big 12 6-0 line package. You only saw it two times. They ran the Red Cat, which is with an extra old lineman out there, but that's not, to me, the real Big 12 package. Um, so I wonder if Sark is saving it or he saw something he didn't like, but it was really successful. In the first. As a matter of fact, two of your first – your t- first two touchdowns were out of the six O line package. Yeah. Um, and they just c- kind of went away from it. And it's actually been really successful versus the three high um, because it gives some boost and some juice to the run game. So I'm not, why, I'm not sure why Sark went away from it. If you're struggling with the interior run game, might as well own the edge with an extra O lineman like Malik Ogbo. All right. One more question, guys. And then we're going to let people get to the Astros Rangers game if they want to. The Rangers right now. Middle of four, up three to one. Framber Valdez has given up two home runs uh, in the game thus far. Uh, so, let's let's start with this. Uh, this this needs to be the last one. On a brighter note, Savion Red is a dog. Let's talk about it. Talk about tough. Sark, we talked about adjustments he would make in the off week with short yardage. I, I don't know that uh, Savion Red uh, is any any better guy. You're going to get to run the Red Cat or the Wildcat at this point? No. I mean, look, I, I think uh, I, I think it's too bad he got himself behind the chains uh, before the season, uh, but I'm glad he's now working from uh, in front of the chains again because, look, Rod talked about attitude uh, of the team, and he likes that. I'll tell you what, Savion Red can touch the ball three or four times in a game, and he, he brings a toughness and physicality an emotion without being over emotional uh, that I, and he can be over emotional, but he's, he's, he's kept it in check on the field, but he brings some things to the field with limited number of opportunities. They're so valuable for a football team for me. Um, And here's the thing. uh, Here's the thing about him too. I love him in short yardage because he is pissed off and he is five, nine two fifteen. And you don't, he's a guy that can get low and he sees that goal line. He feels that gold line and he's just going to ram his helmet into that linebacker's knees and dive across the goal line. Um, I think he's a perfect guy for what they're asking him to do now. Rod, you like him as a a short yardage runner? Yeah, I love him uh, as a short yardage runner. I mean, some guys just have a knack for it. He does. Um, I'll go back and check my notes, but I'm not sure he's failed yet. At a red cat package. I don't think he has. <laughs> right. Uh that's that's really impressive for him to be at 100 percent at this point, midway through the season. Uh so I love his role and I love how happy the guys were for him. 
as you can tell, he's a he's a favorite in the locker room. Everybody kept giving him a lot of love on the sideline um, for you know what he did. And and Jerry's right, man. Those are impactful plays uh, with Savion Red out there uh, on fourth fourth down conversions, uh, short yardage conversions on the goal line. Texas needs that juice, and he brings a lot of it. Yep, absolutely. All right, uh, guys, that's gonna uh, do it for tonight, I believe. Um, we got uh, left some questions on the on the hook for tomorrow, maybe. Uh, one asking about Sark and his ability to uh, allowing uh, his QBs to audible. Uh, gonna have to wait till till that maybe tomorrow. Coffee and football uh, tomorrow morning at eight a.m. Myself, Jerry Hamilton, and Blake Monroe. Also, please remember uh, you can get a subscription to InsideTexas.com if you uh, want to know anything and everything about the Longhorns. Make sure you check out InsideTexas.com. Uh, go there. Uh, use the promo code OTFIT23. That's OTFIT23. You get two months for just one dollar. Uh, it is the best in Texas football and recruiting information available anywhere. Also, thank you tonight to our sponsor, Cross Oak Group, and thanks to everyone uh, for coming out and watching us, guys. Six and one. As I talked to someone inside the building today. Six and one is better than five and two. Damn right. Yeah. And so <laughs> you know, that's the way Texas needs to look at it next week. Seven and one will be better than six and two if they can keep it up. All right. Sure. For Jerry Hamilton, Rod Babers, I'm Bobby Burton. That's been tonight's Longhorn Livestream. Hook them. Hook them. <laughs>